I'm Pat, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm grateful to be sober, and I want to thank you all for, for coming and participating. This is our 21st annual men's retreat. Um, I, I want to get through a couple things, um, housekeeping stuff. First of all, we have a tradition um, that we leave the facility better than the way we find it or found it, right? So if there's stuff that are laying around on the ground or cigarette butts, even if you didn't smoke them, what we do, what I do, is I pick them up and I take care of the stuff so that when we come back next year, we're always welcome. And uh, that's been a tradition and we've always done, we've always stepped up to the plate and took care of that responsibility as sober men. Um, there's three spots that you're able to smoke at. One's right out here, and you'll see the butt cans and some benches all the way against the, the cement steps. There's one behind uh, cabin two on the little porch area, and then over in the uh, prefab trailers, uh, there's one right in the middle of that. We can't vape, we can't smoke anywhere else besides that area. So if you see somebody that didn't understand or didn't uh, hear this announcement, please help me out and ask them to go to this spot, you know. Uh, if there's any problems, if you get a hold of me um, or Dan, Dan, where are you? Yeah, Dan, me, there's a few of us, Abraham, um, we'll take care of this stuff. I'd rather have the problems come talk to me so I can deal with the staff and make me less hassle. Um, so that's the housekeeping stuff. Um, this, like I said, this is the 21st year. Uh, any new people first time here? Wow, great. Welcome. <laughs> so, so this is the history of this, um, this meeting. Uh, I had a sponsor 21 years ago and, um, he was dying of esophagus cancer. And somebody was talking about putting a retreat together. And uh, I called him once. I was at, this is how long ago, from the payphone at the rafters. And uh, so I said, what are you doing, Ron? And he says, uh, well, I just had a meeting with my minister that's coming over once a week. And he asked me to write down 15 things I want to get done before I die. He goes, uh, his wife, Ramona, came up with 27 for him, <laughs> you know. And uh, he goes, but there's only one thing on my list. I go, what's that, Ron? He goes, I want to give back everything Alcoholics Anonymous has given me. Ron, and uh, so I didn't ask if it was convenient. I said, I'm on my way. And I went over to his house. And I had heard these guys talk about a retreat. And I said, I'll do anything to get this thing off the ground to make it happen. But we can't wait till summer. And um, I'd like to have Ron be the guy that runs the retreat. And uh, 21 years ago, I remember going over to Ron's house and, I, and he said, uh, he goes, you know, if we have 10 or 12 guys that go up there, that'll be good. I go, no, Ron, there's gonna be 45. And um, and I had been in the shower that, that morning, 
And I saw the, the retreat the following year, and it was full. And uh, you know, I'm standing there in front of him crying, and he goes, what is, what's the matter? I go, I saw next year. I saw the retreat next year, and I knew he wasn't gonna be here. And uh, that year, Ron came up and he spoke, and what he would do is come in and he presented the history of AA and talked about the steps, and uh, he would take about an hour, and then he'd stop, and he'd go back and lay down. Nobody knew how really sick he was, but he went and he gave his heart to Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, there's, there's, there was another guy that a lot of you guys knew, Sandy, who was part of that whole, whole deal. And Sandy was with Ron a lot longer than I was, and he loved him. And, and he's watching all of this happen, and it, it, it was an amazing deal. And uh, when Ron was uh, dying, and he was, they had hospice, they had the family come over, and I was part of that privilege of being there when he was, you know, they, they had called everybody together because this was it. And I'm sitting in the room by myself with Ron, and all of a sudden he, he comes out and he starts talking to me, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <coughs> and he says, Pat, now that you know what you know, and now that you know what, or you think you know what I know, where do we go from here? Ron came out of a coma, 12-stepping me, <laughs> right? And, uh, and where, I, where I think is that we go towards God, we open our minds up to spiritual concepts, and we start growing as men. And what we have here tonight and this weekend is part of where do we go from here. Um, I want to thank a, a couple people before, we, before Neil takes over. One is uh, Abraham for doing an amazing job on these shirts and <clears throat> does, it, does everybody know Abe? Abe, stand up for a second. Come on, yeah. <clears throat> no. Our first, the first uh, theme of the first retreat was eagle deflation. So uh, Abe never caught that one. But I want to thank all the people and Garen for picking up the shirts and all the people that have helped with the tickets and, uh, and Flo and, and Jimmy and some of the other people that are just absolutely, and if I forgot your name, I apologize, crucial to this process because one, one person did, can't do this. And uh, I want to tell you, I haven't met you. And one, I did screw up. I forgot the name tags. So, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, a personal favor. When you see somebody you don't know, reach out and sh tell them your name. Shake hands. We as men of sober men and Alcoholics Anonymous step up to the plate and look people in the eye and t let them know who we are. You know, and that's what we're doing here. Um, and I love Alcoholics Anonymous, and I hope you guys get half of as much as I get out of these things. And with that, I'd like to introduce Neil.
next one. My name is Neil. I'm an alcoholic. First and foremost, I want to thank Pat. Let's give Pat a round of applause. Thank you. <clears throat> Pat, you know you shared that thing about what Ron told you, and that was to make sure we give back to Alcoholics Anonymous everything that's been given. And I, and I grabbed that piece because the theme topic this weekend is faith without works is dead. And I, I've been taught that that's, that's what we do to gain that faith. You know, is we got to do the works. We've got to suit up. We got to show up. We got to work with other people. We don't drink in between. Before I go any further, I'd like to ask if we can bring God into the room because I'm going to need it. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. What a blessing, what an opportunity that, that when Pat called me, of course, <clears throat> of the 21, 21st retreats I've been to, this is the 18th one I've been able to attend. So I've heard all these guys' story that's come before me about that phone call coming from Pat. And when Pat called me in November, I think it was, I didn't answer the damn phone. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's Pat, give me a call. So I called him back. He says, Neil, if there was a topic, I said, fuck you, Pat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hopefully that's the only time I'll use that. But that's what I told him. He says, but if there was, what would it be? I said, can I have till tomorrow, Pat? <laughs> so he let me call me back. I called him back before the end of the next day, and I said, faith without works stands out. You know, I... I actually chose and wanted to go with Keys to the Kingdom because Keys of the Kingdom, because that was a topic when I was involved with the Santa Clarita Convention. I thought, shit, I've already done all my studies. <laughs> Jim helped me with that earlier. He says, everybody does Keys. You can't, you want to be different. <clears throat> my story is possibly a different age and time, a different state, but I think we all are on an equal, we, we got here to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous because we were A, gonna die, which was the only next step for us. The next place in my movement was to die at the age of 23 years old. And I, I knew that, I welcomed that. That's the bad part, I welcomed not going on any further. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. It talks about that. And it's not my first rodeo. When I, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous the, the first time, it was through the courts and the treatment centers and they happened to go through. And I wasn't done. I just wasn't done. I wasn't kicked hard enough down. You know, but when I finally showed up to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I showed up on... August the 8th of 1986, and I've been very, very blessed and fortunate to stay sober since. I don't know about you, but if you haven't got 30 years, you get it. It's not, you know, it didn't just come. It's taken a lot. One of the things I wanted to share on in the topic about, the, about faith, you know, it, it, this is my big book in large print. 
It read, faith is not something we do not have, nor, or that we have or don't have. Faith comes and involves the process of ups and downs, victories, setbacks, triumphs, disappointments with every day. That's because faith is an aspect of the interactive relationship that we carry with our God. I didn't walk into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous with a faith. I didn't even have a belief, but what the, but what the members of Alcoholics Anonymous showed me and helped me to walk with was they started to show me pieces of their belief in God. They started to show me how they do life on life's terms. We just do what's right. We suit up at the meetings. We help set up the meetings. We get involved with the meetings. We stay after and we help clean up the meetings. We find, a, we find a sponsor, we find somebody, and if it doesn't work the first time around, find another sponsor, find somebody that you can confide in your innermost darkest secrets and get it out, get it on and get into the, and get into the steps and start working them. One of the most important things when I first got sober was that I'd get a full-time job also because I left to my own devices, I get going a little too fast and, and, and you gotta understand, I stepped off of an airplane at Los Angeles, LAX, August the 2nd of 1986. My family all came out here on a round trip vacation and my ticket was one way. And it wasn't, six days later, we put one out at Raging Waters and it was August the 7th of 1986. And 19, August the 8th of 1986, I've managed to stay sober since. And my dates there. Um, but one of the critical things when I got a sponsor is you got a job? I said, no, let's start there. Got a job. Got a sponsor, got a job. Those were probably the two most important things I did because I had to get rid of that space and time, that space inside my head that was gonna allow me to start entertaining the thought of drinking and using again. I've had one experience in my 30 plus years of sobriety where if I would have been offered the choice of drug, I probably would have taken it. And I came off of that lunch break, I was working and I went to lunch with a couple guys and I didn't get any. And I got back to my job and I fell to my knees in the middle of the lunch room and I said, thank you God, oh my God. And it talks about that in our book, when our, when our ability is lowered, our mental defense against that first use or first drink is lowered, will be off guard and it'll catch us. <clears throat> Alcoholics Anonymous is my life today. It, it is everything in my heart. There's three gentlemen in this room that I feel very, I feel very fortunate that are present. I called Pat last week, I says, I might do a change up in the way you do the meeting. I don't think I'm going to because I know we want to get out, but I was going to call three of these gentlemen up here to share their experience, strength, and hope based on faith without works is dead. And these three gentlemen happen to be Don R., Frank Diaz, and Jim Snyder over here because those gentlemen have seen me since I was six months sober. Less than six months. I was between my 90 days and six months when I went out to Don's property and he had the he had the dance meetings going on, going on out there, and I stayed in, a, stayed in my camper shell out in his pasture that night. 
went riding with him and a bunch of cowboys like I had any business doing that the next day. You had to, you, that's a good, it's a vision for you. You've got every one of these guys with spurs, jeans, buckles, hats. Got this guy over here with a red jumpsuit, a rat tail down to his ass, and an earring hanging out of his ear. <laughs> Giddy up, Don said. <laughs> Don taught me I had to be responsible when I brought that horse back, and I had to brush it down to make sure he was, get his body temperatures cooled. My experience in Alcoholics Anonymous when I've hung with these kind of people has been we be responsible. We have to be responsible. We have to be accountable. We suit up. We show up. I was working a job in 19, my first job. I hadn't been out here a week and a half and I had a full-time job. I was very fortunate. My brother was president of the Chamber of Commerce of Van Nuys and he had his resources. So he got me hooked up with this rental agency, rental equipment rental. I'm hooking up a trailer for a guy, and I don't know what exposed our anonymity. I don't know if you had a sticker on. I don't know if, I don't know what it was, and it doesn't matter. But what it did was it brought a, it struck a note between Jim and I about being sober, living this thing we call sobriety and, and, not, and not having to drink, you know, and ends up. Jim's wife and my to-be wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, were best friends. We didn't know this. I mean, Los Angeles is pretty big. What are the chances that I was going to make that connection? And ended up it led from going out to Penguin's Yogurt to going to work for Jim. It went from going to work with, for Jim. I don't know if I quit or he fired me, <laughs> but that relationship ended. And it went to a fourth step inventory where he's the top of my list. I had to write about resentments. I shared this a couple of weeks ago. Where Jim is in my life today is he's on my gratitude list. And that's been the most important part of the growth in my program. Has been able to live and let live. Find those that we have a, a connection with. What a, what a beautiful experience I had today getting to ride with Jim. We connected. Jim wasn't going to make it. He got a ticket last minute. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Pew, met up. And the drive out here was just like, Jesus Christ. Alcoholics Anonymous is a good. This retreat has been monument. It's been huge. Um, the woulda, couldas, where would we be if we didn't have places like that? You know? When we had our retreats at the Lake Kachuma, it was important that some of us were in that kitchen at 5 o'clock in the morning, 4.30, 5 o'clock, getting up, getting down there, serving it, putting it on, doing it. I mean, Jesus, this guy. Have you ever worked in a kitchen with Gary C? <laughs> Change the radio station, bro. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> that stuff blossoms. Jimmy, I love you. It's good to see you. I've been doing this. I don't know you out there. I don't know you off the mountain, off the Kachuma. I've only known you here. And our relationship, our bond grew. The first time we saw each other, 20, whatever it's been, 20 years ago. I missed the first one. I missed Catalina Island, and I missed the first one up here. And I've been able to, very, very fortunately, been able to make all those in between. <clears throat> Thank you.
Alcoholics Anonymous didn't. Alcoholics Anonymous promised me that it was going to get different and that things would get better. You guys of Alcoholics Anonymous didn't promise me that it wasn't going to come with some pretty hellacious roadblocks in the way. You know, with some troubles and some, and some misfortunes. Um, I've been a part of many of the guys in this room. I was, I was thinking about Don's uh, country wedding that I attended, and I don't know how many years that's been. So I tried to have a country wedding. <laughs> how many years? That didn't work. <laughs> so... <clears throat> It was funny because one of the guys that came up to me says, yeah, we were at your, I was at your wedding. I was at your wedding. It was, we were on that horse and carriage, and they brought the kids. And I said, that was not this wedding. That wasn't this marriage. That was in the past. <clears throat> oh. When uh, 1986, I had met a, a gal in the program at a, a, a Halloween dance. She had became my Eskimo. She became the person I followed. She became the, the example. She had five years of sobriety. I blamed her on 13th step in me. And that only lasted as long as she turned around. She says, what's your sponsor think about our relationship? That relationship broke apart in 1988. We got back together. And in 1990, we got married. And... Uh, we did the things that I was advised to do. You get a, work, get a job, you work the steps, you help with newcomers, you suit up, you show up. In 1994, we had a son. And in 1997, we had our daughter, our second child. And unfortunately, the second child and I left the hospital without the mother. She passed away in the birth of... And there's a lot of guys in here. That they, they grab us and they keep us on that path. We go through this, we don't drink no matter what. The thought of drink has never entered my mind. The thought of drink has never entered my mind seven years ago when I walked into my bedroom, into my son's bedroom, and found that son, my first son, dead in his bed. Pat, you hold a big part of my heart because the first man I called first was my brother. The second man, which was in this program, was Pat. Then Dan. Then this guy, then this guy, then this guy because I knew I better get surrounded. And it was in that first week after that loss <clears throat> that I couldn't open my door or go to the peak hole and either Louis Adler or somebody was standing outside of my door Let's do it. You know, Jim Draper, he says, you can't drive. I'm driving you. We got to go do this. You can't use your money. You're going to use mine, and you'll worry about yours later. And that was the type of love that was given to me and the power that came into my home. I remarried in 2004, and we have a daughter that's 12 going on 22. 
got a knock at the other door, and they says, we're here to see whoever's in charge of the house. I introduced him to McKenna. <laughs> there is no man in the house. It's all fucking women. <laughs> you know? Um, if this is your first retreat, if this is your first go around, if you're 75 years old and you're coming in and finally getting this, it doesn't matter. It's all ages, it's all races, it's all everything you can possibly imagine. But the bottom line comes down to if, we're, if we've hit our bottom, and I have a firm belief that we must hit a bottom, then we get to start to establish a way of life that is, first requires physical sobriety. First requires physical sobriety. The second leg on that stool goes into the mental, emotional being and state and sound. And the third part, which has been what I've seen in many years, has taken many of our guys back out because that realm of getting into a spiritual relationship with a power greater than themselves tends to be the stool, the leg on the stool that gets put beside the stools falls. <clears throat> I'm grateful today for the relationship. I'm grateful that I can look in the gazillion eyes that sure feels like it's looking at me right now and tell you that I have a relationship that's deep in my heart with who I choose to call God, choose to call God today. That God did not come from the Catholic church that I attended for several years that I got kicked out in my seventh, after my seventh year of, of school. That God came from you sharing the bits and pieces about how your belief is, about Don telling me, about Jim, about Mary, about Beth about these people who have shared that spiritual being, that spiritual side of life. It's a payoff. It's the best payoff that you're going to get in Alcoholics Anonymous is once you get to that level where you have a spiritual belief because your next MO is that you give it away. You have to give it away. Our topic this weekend is based on faith without works is dead. I was sitting there this morning I shared this with Jim on the way up. <clears throat> I sat back on my couch with my little prayer time because the sun shines in, and I said, works without prayer is dead. I'm like, what the fuck? That's not what the topic is. <laughs> it's faith without works is dead. Or is it? And I had to give that. I said, I've really got deep with that. I was like, it's the works that I do. You know, for the many years that I've been sober and in this program and on this path of recovery, it is the things I had to do that I had to build, the people I've worked with, the, the good deeds don't get found out to build that faith. But today for me to go into an experience, into a situation, to sit down and hold hands with another person, I need to have that faith. I need to have that faith because if I don't, it's, the works is not going to be there. I had a beautiful experience to go back. I've been making a trip back to Nebraska to see my mother for the last 30 years since I, since I moved out here. She's not well. She's not well at all. She's well today. She's not well yesterday. She broke her hip last week, you know, and it's those experiences. It's that real life thing that I'm going through. But what I got to do was a month ago, I went back and spent five days with her. 
and I got to pull everything that you guys have given me in the strength. I put my mother in front of my going out to see if I could find old friends at AA meetings ahead of it. My primary purpose was to be there with my mom, hold her hand, walk her through an assisted living just to get her temperature to see if it was going to work. When she turned to me with a tear coming down her eye and says, I'm not fucking going to an assisted living. I said, hey, I know that now. <laughs> and I'm not going to make you, Ma. I want you to die in peace at 92 years old in your own home. I don't want you to have to go there. It wasn't my intent to come back here. It was to walk you through and let you know that you have a choice because you guys have so many times over and over told me I have choices. It's when we get that up against the tree in the forest too close that we forget we have choices. We forget what the rest of it looks like. I don't know the mind of a 92-year-old, but I know the commonality that she and I share. She's buried seven months after my son died in 2010. My, my brother died in my hands as I was rubbing him and he died from cancer. Five days prior to that, my mother-in-law passed away. It's, it's been a series of things and events that's been like, I have to sometimes physically measure where's my shoulders at right now. Stop, be still, and the one sweatshirt that reads, know that I am God, know that he's present, and, and I sponsored a guy that walked around with his ears all the way up. I said, push him down, push him down. He's like, Jesus Christ. He th I think he thought I was a chiropractor or something. I just, I pushed his shoulders down. I said, release, release. We're not going anywhere. Let's just work this thing together. <clears throat> I got to go quick now. I ran out of water. There's parts in the big book that I love today's technology. It's kind of easy to pull up. Faith without works is dead. Boom. Three seconds. It took me to pull it up, and it gave me all three uh, chapters that it's written in our, in our big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the beautiful, the beautiful thing behind that is when you get to pull that stuff up, knowing that it's because Pat asked me that I had to come be the tree, retreat leader, but it gets you back into that process of, you know, a lot of people talk about when they're reading the book back through and you see the, you really see the black, not just white. You start to understand a little bit more and it starts to clear. You're our sweetheart. <laughs> I can read. <clears throat> Glasses on. I want to talk about probably the most important parts of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it wasn't just my experience of reading them. It was my experience, again, of you guys sharing. And you hear sometimes parts and pieces of the big book that you don't read. You hear them in the meetings, and they, that's like profound, dude, you know? And you get that feeling like, that's it. That's it. In the doctor's opinion, it talks about, we of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate and the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from the medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed the, our return to health. As a well-known doctor and chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter. I did not print the whole thing. I pulled out what 
what was the as a matter of fact that drives for us and without it all horses dead to whom it may concern i specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years in the late 1934 i attended a physician i attended a patient though he had been competent businessman of of great earning capacity was an alcoholic of the type i had come to regard as hopeless when i went to my Doctor, I was facing going to jail because I was out on my fourth offense, drunken driving, and I had to go and get popped again on my fifth offense and thrown back into jail. Before I attended, I went to my physician and I said, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I'm drinking a lot of booze, and I'm afraid to go in that jailhouse without some type of sedative. You know, and I had to learn, and that's the doctor pulled back his prescription pad. He says, well, how much are you drinking? And I told him, and he threw that piece of paper in the trash can and wrote a different one. Oh. It's like, see, you're on my side. I know it. <laughs> in the course of the third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, and this is what this is about. This is, to me, what this retreat is about. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must likewise do with still others. This has become the rap this has become the basis of the rapidly growing fellowship of men and women of men in these and their families. This man and over one hundred others appear to have recovered. Further in Bill's story, he wrote about while I was lying in the hospital bed, there came thousands, there, the thought of the thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what, to what had been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in return, might work with other alcoholics. Faith without works is dead. And he goes on to say, and how apparently true it is for the alcoholic, for the alcoholic failed to be this, this part right here. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through the work and self-sacrifice of others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots that were to come ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. This is what it is like with us. That's the one portion that reads about the uh, faith without works is dead. In chapter, in chapter 6, as our seven-step prayer reads, My creator, I'm now willing to that you have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you remove every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. One of my favorite steps in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is step 11. I think if there's a step of the 12 that you can take out of order has been for me with step 11. When my son passed away in 2010, Don Barrett, I had to lean to right away. Humble Tom is my sponsor. Has been for many, many years, still is. But Tom has moved and he was, and, and Louis Adler came with his finger in my chest and said, you got to have somebody here now close and, and, and that's part of your daily. 
They said, this is a big thing. This is a big thing that you're going through and you're going to need somebody. <laughs> Louie pissed me off. <laughs> so I met with Louie on a Monday night and said, Louie, I decided Don's my new sponsor. Because I thought Louie was trying to aggravate me enough to ask him to be my sponsor. All Louie wanted was to know that I'm not alone and that I need to have another person to walk this journey with. And what a fabulous choice I made. Don Barrett met me every single Monday night. And one of the things he made me do was to get back into my writing. When my wife passed away in 97, probably the one thing that kept me sane, it's not a matter of whether I was going to drink or use. I lived with, for quite a while, the thought of taking my loaded, nice, stainless 357 rubber grip back into Northridge Hospital and just start going like this with my baby in my hands. That's what I lived with for the first, first couple of months. I was, it was insane. It was like, it wasn't a drink or a use. It was the insanity that was setting in. When I, when I knew that pencil and paper was going to be my savior and working with other people and letting them come into my life, letting the wives knock on my door and bring my children and I at dinner, let the men call me and say, come out front. You're going with us. We're going to a meeting. Step 11, Don talked about with me. He says, starts on the bottom of page 85. Two, two sentences and goes to the top of 88. And of course, this is in my edition. I don't know what the next one. I don't have a fourth edition. Um, that prayer and meditation, that house cleaning, it's, it seems like it summed up everything that I needed to be and everywhere I needed to go was within step 11. And, it, and Don's advice to me and direction was that I want you to read it every single day. Read from there to there. And I did that. And I started putting the papers and the pencils back together. And I finally found myself where it's like, I wasn't feeling that I'd been taken from. I didn't understand, and there's many times today I don't understand why the losses have been the way they have. What I know today is that there was no intention. What I know today is that I can close my heart, shut down, and get real, real in bad condition and bad shape with that, or I can allow it to be an experience that I've gone through. You know, <clears throat> losing a wife, losing a child. When I sat with my mother, the commonality and backing up, sorry about that. When she sat across from me, because we buried three of my brothers, three of her children and my, and my uh, father, her husband. She goes, you know, we've been through a lot together. And all I could do is sit there and say, yeah. And for the grace of God, I haven't had to have a glass of wine every single night. I haven't had to have a beer mixed with tomato juice, which right on for her, you know. Pisses me off. She can't have it right now. She's in a care place. And they won't give her alcohol mixed with the pain pills. I'm like, you don't know what you're making that girl miss. <laughs> I got another brother that's struggling with this, but he's got about 40, 43, 45 days of sobriety. 
I like to share with the fact of how powerful the prayer is because 45 days ago, I was Googling the nearest gas station I could find to him in Seattle, Washington, so that I could somehow get them on the phone, pay for a tank of gas, and try to help him out so he wasn't living in the back of his car any longer. That resulted in the heavy of praying. It's like, God, whatever it is, if it means the end of his life, just I pray for the comfort. I pray for his comfort, whatever it be. If you can get him in some place, you know, he continued to come back to me and said, you told me you'd help me. As I have told many, but I won't do it while you're drunk. I'm not going to do it at the risk of my daughter and my wife in the same home. I'm not going to allow you to move out back in a tent as you've requested. But what I will do is I'll help you do the, phone, the homework, and we'll start to find that detox because that's your step one. And then we got a beacon house down here that we might be able to get you in or the Los Angeles Salvation Army. I don't know. Thank you, Jim. Gave me a lot of information on that. I don't know where it's going to be or what it's going to be for you. I'm going to help you with a tank of gas, and I'm going to get food in your stomach. If you choose to continue to live, live in the back seat of your Saturn with no window, laundering, having your laundered not done, it's up to you. You have a choice. We have a choice. He checked himself into a detox center. He went through the program. He's living in a, in a uh, sober home. He's got a lot of anger in him. What am I to do? Continue to pray. I continue to pray for him that he gets right. I know when I, I know what has kept him on that side. We all three, my three brothers, two brothers and I got sober on 1986 and 1988. One of them has been drunk for 28 years. The other one has had a year, 90 days, six months, two years, back in, back out. It's like you've learned, you've walked, you've loved the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, you've been a part of it. You know what our choices are. You can die in the backseat of that car. I have to probably be the one to go identify you. Or you can try to get on the straight and narrow. You might have to take public transportation. I don't want to hear about your car, you, you know? I didn't wake up someday and think I had these answers to help with people. That's what you guys have taught me, that that's the way we care for one another. It's called tough love, it's unconditional, and we have to go through with that. Further in chapter six, as, and, and towards the bottom of, your, of our step 11. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful, and we ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are in much less danger of excitement, fear, worry, anger, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly, and we did not, or when we when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined, ever heard that part? So we let God discipline us in a simple way that we have just outlined, but that is not all. There is action, more action. Faith without works is dead, and we go into the working with others. Practical experience shows that nothing will immune us, will ensure us immunity from drinking as intensive work with alcoholics, with other alcoholics. 
It works when other activities fail. We carry this message to alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. Life will take on a new meaning to watch, other, to watch the people recover, to see them and others, to watch the loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow about you, to have a host of friends. This is the experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to. Frequent contact with each other is the bright, is the bright spot of our lives. We get to meet a lot of people in here. I started to say if this is your new re first retreat, if you're new in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, I hope you're done. You're gonna experience a weekend of some true fellowship. I think one of the best topics, themes that we've ever had at this retreat was a sweatshirt that Pat was wearing and it talks about getting in the middle of the herd. If you're feeling on the outside of the circle of Alcoholics Anonymous, if you're feeling on the outside of a group of guys and you feel like they're mimicking, they're talking, they're, they might be. They just want you to be a part of. Get in the simmer. Put every bit of courage and every bit of heart you can and get involved. Reach your hand out. Very good, Pat. If you don't see somebody with a name on their chest, it's just he forgot the labels. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out to them. If you're new and you see an old timer walking by you, reach your hand out to them. <clears throat> Alcoholics Anonymous is not an employment agency. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a residential area. Alcoholics Anonymous is a way of life that it's a change from what we used to be like. It puts a new concept, it puts a new reason and a new meaning. When we come through here, and we go through our losses, it's not the end. It's, damn it, not the end. We have, to, we have to grunt our ass, we have to let people help us. I can't do it alone. I'm a very blessed man. Don R quoted this a long time ago and it's been one of my favorites ever since. We are the lucky ones. We are the lucky ones. The program of Alcoholics Anonymous coming in here and being a part of the fellowship, the brotherhood, the camaraderie, we're not a glum lot. This weekend wasn't to just come up and, and get holier than thou. There's a bunch of bullshit gambling gonna go on, so be a part of that if you want to show your other obsession. It's an itch. My biggest disappointment of this weekend is that I didn't get to present Don R with a toothpick. That frickin' record, record did. I want to thank everybody for letting me uh, be at the front of the room, to be a part of your lives, to have you in my life, to know, you know, we, we've, we are the lucky ones. Thank you, Don. I will forever hold that dear and near because I don't care if it's two weeks of sobriety. I don't care if it's 44 years of sobriety. I don't care if it's 31 years of sobriety. I don't care if it's six months. There's a point in our time where we get to have that spiritual relief and we get to find a way that's like, we do what's right. We just do what's right. I had a sponsor pound me on the chest for a long time. 
take the S off. We don't have to be superhuman. We get to be vulnerable. We get to be one amongst men, and we get to let other people into our lives and be that part and reach out and be a part of theirs. I want to thank the guys that helped me to, to try to get up and, and have all my things to say. Now, I'm going to pick on Craig because he sent me a text earlier in the week that was about this big. <laughs> and the goddamn thing was sideways in my phone. And you know how when you kind of turn, the goddamn thing turns with it? So I had to, I had to send it to my work through a photo thing into a medium. And I finally got it. <laughs> The statement of faith without works comes from many of different books. It's not just in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It comes from the sharing, and it comes from different travels and different journeys that we're going to go through. But Craig shared this part with me, and I wanted to read it. The problem is that I wrote all over the back of it, and the ink smeared through. So I'll do my best here, Craig. For the next three months, I lived with these two wonderful people. I shall always believe they gave more to me than I will ever have brought to them. Each morning in their devotion, after the, long, after the long silence, Anne would read out of the good book. James was our favorite. Reading, reading him from her, from her chair in the corner, she would softly conclude with faith without works is dead. I'm damn well looking forward to an exciting weekend, guys. Thank you for letting me share with you, and let's close this out with the Lord's Prayer and get on to our weekend. Our Father, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Knocked it out of pocket. Proud of you.